Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody, it's Nikki Nellis on Industry Night on Real Fun DC. I wanna thank you all for joining me again. Um, so if you don't know me, let me introduce myself. I have been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last um, 18 years. My God, I've been doing this for a really, really long time, but it is such a pleasure to do because nobody loves the hospitality scene of DC more than I do. So you may follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You have definitely heard me on WTOP where I do regular roundups on the hospitality scene. Uh, if you haven't, you should totally tune in to Foodie and the Beast. My husband and I have been celebrating uh, 12 years this year on air on 1500. We do that food and wine variety show every Sunday. And then lastly, where it all began, the list are you on it.com. I launched that online e-zine uh, 17 and a half years ago, and it is a one-stop shopping for everything going on in the food and wine scene here in the DC metro area, from events to restaurants opening soon to all the promos that you wanna know about. So to that point, let's talk Valentine's Day. So if you're looking for love in all the wrong places, I don't know why, this Valentine's Day, we are going to ask all the lovely people out there that you think outside of the box. And instead of celebrating with just your love, why not widen your circle and divvy up all those loving feelings and uh, send the sweet nothings, not just to the person you're either sleeping next to or would like to, but to friends, to family, to neighbors, to coworkers. I mean, there's really no better time than what's going on right now to let the people you know around you that you care and um god does the restaurant industry have offers for you from amazing dinners and cocktails and sweets and treats there is so much there and we have a list there's over 50 options on there right now and it is growing every day so please check it out uh and find great ways to celebrate valentine's day with those you care about and also supporting the restaurant industry and one of the things I want to tell you about is the Women's Food Fest group. So the Women's Food Fest group started over the summer. They did this uh, fantastic Women's Food Fest week. It features a lot of women chefs and women food producers here in the area. And they have come together to create uh, regular options or opportunities for both the entrepreneurs and for us as uh, the customers. So they have a great Valentine's Day gift bag and you can pick a bag filled with fabulous treats or you can do a dinner or there are many other options so check out women food fest for all of that um, you can find it on my website and you can also look at them on instagram lastly as i do on every show uh both in the beginning middle and end support our restaurants they are such an important part of our community um Prior to the pandemic, it's all people talked about in the DC metro area. And now that we're knee deep in this pandemic or maybe chest deep at this point, uh, it is still something that we still need to talk about. There's so many ways to support your area restaurants and maybe restaurants you don't know about. And that is what we're gonna get into today. So first, a regular on the show is Kathy Hollinger of the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. She's gonna tell us what's happening sort of legally around town and what restaurants can and can't do and what you as consumers can and can't do. And then I have a spectacular panel on talking about 
collaborations. Chef Jonathan Crin of Clarity in Virginia is hosting an array of top chefs at his property. Um, I'm calling them collabs, but he's calling it community and beyond, crossing culinary bridges. And he has brought with him today, Chef David Fritsch and Sylvan Kramer of Stable, uh, Bobby Pradichit of Tip Cow, and uh, I've got Chef Jojo Laun of uh, Tammy. So we're all gonna talk about all these different properties, who they are, what they do, and then talk about the need uh, for collaborations and what that means for us, the diners, and what it means for, um, for them as chefs. Okay, so up first, let's talk with Kathy Hollinger. Hey, Kathy, so glad to have you on. Hi, Nikki, happy to be on and happy to see all these lovely faces and hear these faces. Right, it's so nice to see everyone, uh, even if it's virtually for now, right? Yes. So Kath, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. Um, I mean, we've had some snow, which is always like a fun thing to add in the mix, especially when we're in the middle of a pandemic. But what's the latest on what we're allowed to do in the DC dining scene? Yeah, so, you know, the I wish I could say the region was consistent in how they thought about reopening and operating and and all of that, but that's not the case. But what, what we have right now is I'm sure everyone agrees the last two weeks have felt like two decades in terms of the kind of um, progress we've made or really our operating stature. In DC, the indoor dining pause was lifted, as many of you know, and that uh, allows for 25% indoor capacity. So really that just kicked in uh, not too long ago, less than two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and in Virginia, they are operating, it's less about capacity, it's more about social distancing and how they are being creative with the space that they have indoors and outdoors when you have uh, chefs like Chef John Crin to really maximize outdoor. And then Montgomery County has is still in the indoor pause in Maryland, but that will be lifted early next week. So I know- February, that, Like February 9th, I heard, right? Yes. Like it might be lifted. Mm -hmm. February 9th, they'll be at 25% occupancy. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, I will say that the big question on everyone's mind, the question I get every day is what does vaccination deployment really look like specifically for our industry? How is it gonna work? How can employees be verified? And what will the structure of that be? And I know that it will be employer driven and it will vary jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but we hope that that will be online sooner than later so we can get our essential businesses and employees vaccinated. Well, so what is RAMW's role in that? Are you helping to supply, I mean, for people not in the industry, RAMW has been this incredible resource. I mean, you're always a great resource, not in a pandemic, but almost daily, you're sending out regular emails to your members, keeping the restaurant community updated on everything that is happening. Uh, some of them seem almost outside your scope a little bit. So with vaccinations, how does RMW participate in facilitating the access to that? Yes. Yeah, so um, yes, Nick, I mean, we, we really have almost become the first responder role for the industry since early March. So we had to really think about how we were reaching people 
again, we're a community. There's, it's inclusive, everyone, come one, come all. This is not about anything other than getting everybody through the pandemic. Um, with vaccination, I mean, it's everything from making sure that our sector and industry is categorized on the front end versus the back end. Like there mm -hmm. has to be continuity in terms of if you in March said that we are essential employers and in set essential businesses and employees, that means that when the vaccination is available, our audience has to be vaccinated, period. So that is one thing, just being a part of the language creation around vaccination audiences, we played a big role. The bigger role is gonna be as the volume increases, we want to create sites where there is more mass vaccination for mm -hmm. our industry. So in DC, if it's the convention center, um, in Northern Virginia, if we can identify a site or a hotel where there is a drive-through, like these are conversations we're having because they have to happen. And the sooner that our industry gets vaccinated, the sooner we're taking steps towards somewhat normalcy going forward. Totally agree with you. Once more and more people get vaccinated um, and the people in the, and honestly, the people in the industry, I don't think a lot of uh, people who are, are food lovers, but not in the industry, don't really appreciate the sort of peril that people in the kitchen, staff, employees, et cetera, put themselves in because some of these spaces are tiny and there's only so much, you know, there's only so much social distancing you can do in a, you know, five by five kitchen. Do you know what no, I mean? No. So it's amazing. Now tell us, um, restaurant week just ended. Not yet. Well, no, but it will be when the show airs. So, oh. what? <laughs> so how did it go this year? And are there any future promotions? Like, cause you guys are always concocting something to come up. Anything that we got coming up that we want to keep people in touch with? Yeah, so restaurant week was, you know, it was reimagined and successful. We had over 225 restaurant operators participating in the promotion. Um, and so much of it was focused on takeout and delivery. But what we also saw is that with the on-premise dining that was allowed, people were out eating. Um, and that was a really nice boost to at least see that. We were fortunate the first week of restaurant week where I believe the temperatures were milder. I, it's a blur, but either the weekend leading into it, we had some good days where when we have 48 degrees outside, people are outside dining, which Absolutely. is great. In terms of going forward, we're doing a lot with the restaurant community around, let us know what you're doing for Valentine's Day, leading into, coming off of, kind of letting people know that love is evergreen. It doesn't have to be just on that day. It can mm -hmm. really be this love letter for the whole month. Um, and then we're gonna start focusing on cocktails and wine and beverage promotions because in Virginia, for example, we just um, got alcohol to go on a permanent, permanent temporary, meaning what is allowed currently can be extended over a period of time before we revisit it permanently, which is a really big deal given consumer behavior has changed. So sure. a lot of promotions coming down the pike, a lot of it aligns with what our diners are feeling they need and want as they all really want to support our restaurants across the region. Excellent. All right, Kathy, I want to thank you so much. Kathy Hollinger, Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. 
Okay, on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. But when we come back, I've got this spectacular panel talking about collaborations and community in the DC dining scene. We'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. And we're back on Industry Night. Uh, so we just talked to Kathy Hollinger about all the latest and greatest that you need to know about what's happening in the DC dining scene. Uh, and as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I have an incredible panel on with me. Jonathan Crin, who has been a part of the DC dining scene for a really long time, because I've known him, I think the entire time. I met him years ago when he was a chef at 2941. He has done uh, a lot of things in this community. And most recently, he launched his restaurant Clarity in Virginia. Um, and he has brought together a whole community of chefs to do sort of pop-up dinners at his location, which I think is really interesting. And we have a whole group of people with us today to talk about it. So John, I wanna start with you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Nikki, as always. It's always good to see you. So John, let's give everybody, I mean, I know you and I feel like I could tell your story if I chose to, but you're here. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I've, I've been in, uh, um, Northern Virginia since uh, about 2000, opened 2941. Uh, so it's now 21 years. Um, it's actually my third, it's third restaurant, uh, second that I've owned and uh, third uh, world crisis. <laughs> so right? that's 21 years, 21 years, three world crisis, that's every seven years. So that's, uh, it's an interesting little stat. Okay, so uh, we will know not to be anywhere near you seven years <laughs> from now. Lesson learned, everybody back up. Okay, go ahead, John. Um, so uh, 2041, I, I opened in uh, 2001. Uh, then 2008, I opened Inox. Um, you know, 2041, very successful. Inox, uh, I lost in the recession. Uh, 2010, I felt like uh, I had made some mistakes, recession notwithstanding, uh, around the business side of 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 my restaurant and I, I uh, endeavored to uh, gain an expanded set of skills. And I was very lucky to be able to have some opportunity outside the restaurant business to learn about how you handle, handle uh, planning and execution of, of any business really. Uh, and I took those skills and applied it back into the restaurant business. And that's when I opened Clarity in 2015 and pretty much aptly named because uh, we're all searching for clarity, and I'm not saying I have it, but it certainly rings uh, in my head every second of the day. Uh, clarity has been uh, very successful uh, pre-pandemic, and then uh, in March when it hit... Well, wait, before you hit the yeah. pandemic, can we tell people about the style of clarity? Just give them a little sort of yeah, absolutely. purview if they haven't had the opportunity to be there. Yeah, so Clarity, I guess I could call it, I mean, I call it a lot of things, but it's almost like the, the perfect, in my sense, the perfect neighborhood restaurant because it's a neighborhood restaurant that serves a lot of neighborhoods, which is sort of what you want to do, right? You want to have the, your, your close neighborhood, and then the more people come from farther away, obviously, that's a good thing, too. So that, that's what I feel like. But it always, ha always has that neighborhood feel, as do many restaurants in the, the D.C. metro area. Um, I love changing things up. I don't like doing the same thing every uh, twice in a row even. Um, so the menu changes every day. We have a lot of fun. We're able to, uh, with the worldly and well-traveled clientele in Northern Virginia, um, which is who mainly supports the restaurant on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, we're able to 
align and, and get some of the best ingredients from what I call uh, around the corner, around the country and around the world. So I go all over to get, uh, to get great product and then we put them together as uh, best we can and uh, come up with some new and interesting things that keeps it top of mind uh, for the mm -hmm. clientele, which has made a, a, a pretty, uh, pretty interesting business uh, uh, format. We have a tasting menus card. I got into bourbon, uh, really into bourbon uh, five years ago. Uh, doing some barrel picks so not only do we have wine but we have spirits don't see a lot in a restaurant like this which is modern american casual fine dining so so it's, okay. it's really good so now the pandemic hits and you were really at the forefront of making some dramatic changes right because you knew you saw the writing on the wall so let's just quickly talk about some of the things you instituted yeah. uh to create more revenue source yeah, so if you want to put a timeline on it, which is really what I did, I mean, it, 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 of course, it none of us could believe it was happening in March, but it was happening. So, so I wanted to uh, always think about uh, the time when you are presented with a situation and what you do about it in small business, that gap between those two actions has to be extremely small or you're going to go out of business. Uh, restaurant business, like you said, it's uh, it's uh, small margins, very difficult business. So you have to turn quickly. I'm not going to say pivot. I use the word swivel. I okay. Oh, good. <laughs> I not I'm say so, it anymore. I had to look so up. Just a so you know, um, I I think on like two shows ago, I was like, I think you should just drink every time we say pivot, because like everybody says it. Swivel's a good one. I like that. That's an excellent uh, <laughs> secondary one. Swivel's good. It's the yeah. first synonym when you look up uh, synonym for pivot. So, Excellent. so, so what I what what my head went straight to this. Um, mm -hmm. I, I basically made a project plan and said, look, it's March. This is th these are the conditions. These are the restrictions. I've lost one hundred percent of my main business model. Okay, so instead of wondering how do I get back my main business model and what's the time frame with that. I said, I need to make a completely new business model. And if I want to do 100% business, which is the goal, but not the reality, that can be 20 new businesses that each represent 5%, or it could be five new businesses rep representing 20%. But the bottom line is you have to diversify and offer up a lot of different products that align with your clientele immediately. And no none of those may be what you originally offered to, those cl to your clientele. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to do that. So I started with takeout, like, you know, we all did takeout, uh, but I changed that takeout up, uh, you know, every day real quick to keep the top of mind. Uh, when we were allowed outside, and I'm very fortunate here to have uh, access to a, a, a football a football field size parking lot almost. And my plan with the parking lot, and even though you have the footprint, you, you, you know, I wanted to make it interesting. So I thought of an idea to open a restaurant in the parking lot, which was tasting menu only for a given amount of time that was eight weeks and have people utilize their parking space as like a little tailgating campsite. So you drive your car into the parking spot and then the table's there. We put a tent over your car and the table and that's a multi-use of that footprint, um, which became really popular really fast. Everyone wanted to get out and and uh and in a sense celebrate getting outside and, mm -hmm. and tasting menus were the way to do it then uh around about uh, August, i opened up the aperture and went to a la carte and tasting uh ran the parking lot through um through november 
uh, until it was too cold. But along with that, I also uh, in, uh, purchased a, a competition smoker and an Argentinian grill. Again, to I, my my goal was to not reduce the menu, but actually expand the menu because I was going to try to get a, a, a lot of different markets that maybe would add up to a decent amount of revenue and keep my staff um, employed. Great. Okay. So now you reached out to all of these other chefs for this promotion. If you could just quickly tell me where your head was at, and then I want to get to Chef uh, Jojo. So when uh, January 6th, we all know that was a momentous day, I said yeah. to myself, I, I, for some, I'm just, I, Virginia's open, DC's closed, I'm going to do something. All right. Got and that's it. not trying to be a martyr. It's just if you, and, and it's funny because when, how well do you have to be doing to help somebody else? Mm -hmm. That's everyone has to ask themselves, right? When do you give to charity? When do you this? When do you that? Right. And I said, this is my, we're not doing great, but we're here and we're open. So it's time to create opportunity for uh, the DC chefs that don't have that opportunity. And that's what I did. So a taste of uh, DC and NVA uh, was the first event uh, where I put together a takeout package uh, with some uh, six chefs downtown and mm -hmm. sold it to the Northern Virginia uh, clientele. And that worked well. And then this, this guest chef series is the follow-up to that uh, to community be and beyond crossing culinary bridges. The neat thing about this, one of the many neat things is that I did not previously know any of the chefs involved in this series. Uh, I was connected uh, with them by uh, Adra Williams and Cherney Plum, and uh, they committed to it and trusted me without even meeting me, uh, mm -hmm. which says a lot obviously for them. And it's, it's something that we in the restaurant industry do. Uh, and it feels it feels good that we're offering each other opportunity to introduce to new clientele. Excellent, I love that, and I love that you're uh, have come up with this concept and now are executing it. All right, so Chef Jojo, of Tammy, how are you? So let's talk about for people. I mean, I'm familiar with the fabulous Burmese restaurant Tammy, but um, not everybody is. So can you tell us a little bit about the concept and how you guys got there? In fact. Didn't you just celebrate the Tolly Moly anniversary? Did I read that somewhere? Absolutely, five years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about your journey and your concept and how you wound up here. Absolutely. So I am from Burma and my daughter was born here. And uh, the me means daughter. And we are all daughters and uh, we know daughters and we're around daughters and it, would, it was the perfect name for this restaurant. And it started with uh, my daughter, one of my daughters saying, you know, when I went to Burma, the thing that I remembered most was uh, this, this cold drink, Faluda. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, let's open a place and uh, you make Faludas. But I never made one in my life. Uh, so. <laughs> It was creating the, the menu, starting this, and we opened um, actually because Bobby's mom, Chef Singh, sat me down for two hours. And mm -hmm. she, if you don't open something, somebody else will by just looking at a Burmese recipe book. So, you know, you're, you're it, you have to do this. And we decided to do a pop-up in the middle of a snowstorm. So it would, it would be just about like this, where we were mm -hmm. walking 
ice cream and uh, Bobby was there <laughs> and <laughs> he came and bought Paluna for his whole staff and we had people from around the world who related to this sweet drink and um, they call it different things in different parts of the world but they have some form of it and that started um, you know this uh, journey um, where it started off with a, a little you know 100 square foot place in Union Market and it started to grow just by putting new things on the menu and trying to just um, you know relate to people in a way that um, you know you start with something sweet and something that you like and then talk about all the things that you have in common and um, then you know one thing led to another I'd done a pop-up at this uh, restaurant on 8th street and um, and when it opened up it just seemed like the right place because I was very comfortable there it's a tiny place mm -hmm. and the gentlemen and stable were really nice and they <laughs> came by and welcomed us and they've ever since been amazing friends. Um, so, you know, it just seemed, it seemed right. Um, pre you know, I can talk forever about what it all means, but, um, and there are very many wonderful stories about, you know, people who knew my father 50 years ago and, you know, it, 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 goes on. So I, I'm a bit of a storyteller. So I'll just fast forward um, mm -hmm. to pre-pandemic, we were doing very well for a small restaurant of an unknown um, country and food. Um, and then the rug was pulled out from under us. And we mm -hmm. decided since our restaurant is so small and we wanted to really um, you know, a lot of people say that, but to, to really say stay safe, you know, mm -hmm. I am a grandmother and uh, I wanted this to be a place where everybody would feel comfortable. The heartbreaker was, of course, you know, to let everybody go. Um, and we are in a very, very small skeleton staff doing nothing but takeaway. Mm -hmm. But with that, you know, you still have the people who are just incredibly supportive and you know come for just that you know smile in the eyes which is all they really see of you <laughs> and every time somebody comes in to try to take a picture of me they say well there's nothing much of you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> this, this is where we are and so mm -hmm. uh, fast forward I think that uh, all of us are immigrants. We know how to create, we know how to survive, we know how to scrape and you know, uh, struggle. But what we cannot do that the pandemic kind of you know, brought us to our knees on, we cannot connect again, right? In the way that we were connected in a restaurant. And that's, you know, that's something that we provided was this you know bringing people together who might never have been sitting next to each other or never have been thinking about a Burmese restaurant um you know leave alone all the other ones that are coming up we've been connected so wonderfully and then disconnected and so you know to meet chef john to get this opportunity to then connect again in, in a way that that you know without restaurants our cities you know are really just um you know that fabric that that uh, that part that mm -hmm. uh, makes us a, a strong society is just not there and so this you know is 
kind of bring, it's not a collaboration. It's not a pop-up. It is something that um, will be woven, I think, in the future. And that's what, you know, excites me and um, really kind of brought this incredible spark of joy for, for all of us. So I'm very, very excited. And I'm going to stop there because I know I want to hear from, from the others. You have perfect. That was absolutely perfect, Chef Jojo. So I really appreciate that. Um, and when we sort of all group in at the end, I sort of want to hear about like what you're making and what you're doing and how you're presenting yourself out at Chef John Crin's restaurant, Clarity. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I've got more. I'm going to be talking uh, with uh, Bobby Pradikit of uh, Tacao and what he'll be doing out there. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Did you know you can ask Siri to play Real Fun DC? Just say, hey Siri, play Real Fun DC and you can ask for Industry Night and hear me. We'll be back in just a sec. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Don't forget to please follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, on Twitter. Not really Facebook, because I don't really like it, even though my son Mark's there, but definitely Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so we're talking about this, um, what's happened with all these restaurants during the pandemic, as we do almost on every show, because it is top of mind, obviously. But Chef Jonathan Crin of Clarity in Virginia is hosting an array of chefs from DC at his property as a way of maybe really introducing people in uh, that area to restaurants that they don't know about. And it's become this really fabulous, I, I said collaboration, Chef Jojo said it's not a collaboration, but it is a, a meeting of the minds. So up next, we have uh, Bobby, Bobby Pradichet, who uh, is, works with his mom, Sang, um, uh, Chef Sang from Tip Cow. Bobby, I know you're at a variety of, you have like another restaurant, right? Yes, we have uh, two Great. restaurants. Well, we have two restaurants and a cocktail bar. We had okay. a location at the Tyson Galleria, but that is uh, no more. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so tell everybody about your two restaurants and just give everybody sort of some background on the kind of cuisine you do. And uh, I mean, I'm, love your cuisine personally um and your mom has been on my other show before uh so tell us a little bit about what you guys do how you work together sort of a little pre-pandemic-y and then let's talk about how you're doing now yes so uh well first off thank you all for having me here um also thank you to chef john for uh inviting my mother uh i'm here today to represent her she's a very busy woman so i'm, I'm here to talk yes. I'll usually, also usually i talk over her because she finds me more comfortable to. Oh, wait, you came on the show. You came on the show once with her too, didn't you? Didn't you come on uh, Pretty and the Beast with her? I think I did. I think I, I did. think you did. Okay. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, in 2010, uh, my parents decided that they wanted to um, change uh, their business model because they had several businesses non-restaurant related beforehand and they wanted to do something uh, a little more what um, I guess my mom loved to do which was cooking so a family friend um, was selling this Thai restaurant that was previous called Bangkok Golden which is in the nook of uh, Seven Corner Plaza in Fall Street Virginia um, and my parents took a whirl at it my dad used to 
work. Um, uh, he used to work for front of house for uh, Chef Yenny Cam like long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, my dad was like, wanted to get back into that, that kind of uh, hospitality realm. And so they took at it. Um, and at first they started to just cook Thai food because the clientele there had already been familiar with it and wanted to get, like my parents wanted to get more familiar with the community um, and also the flow of, of restaurants. And um, my mother wanted, had like a knack for wanting to introduce like Lao cuisine. Although mm -hmm. in general, like the profession of cooking isn't very high in, in the country uh, or as, as taken seriously. And even people, a lot of people in, in, this, in the States don't feel like that Lao food is, has a, a great voice versus other dominant Asian cuisines like Chinese, uh, Japanese and Korean. Um, but then, yeah, but you, know, you guys have, I hate to interrupt. But you guys have totally changed that narrative. I mean, yeah, when Tip mostly, Cow, mostly you can't get into Tip Cow years later. I mean, that, I mean, yeah. right now you can, but you know what I mean? Like that place is yeah. always, there's always a line out the door. That place is always crowded. Which is very, um, it's super fortunate. Like we, every time, like a lot, there's a lot of people that come in. We've always been wondering, like, how do they hear about us? How do they hear about La Cuisine? You know, why they come And You know, I think, especially in D.C., there's a lot of like very young hungry driven people that are like wanting to experience new things and i think dc is like a perfect place because there's so many different things like for me with uh burmese and then also um you have like bad thing with filipino food and then of course makan mm -hmm. that's right around the corner doing malaysian food um so there's a lot of different things going on uh so yeah my, my back so like back then like uh i think like a year or a half ago my mother was cooking family meal for the staff and um, there's a, a very uh, fine gentleman by uh, Mr. Tom Sisma who happened to be there and saw like this food that was very different to what the menu was. And he was asking my mom, like, oh, what is that? And she was explaining the dish. I don't remember what it was, but eventually he wanted to try it and loved it. And then eventually this review came out that was really great from him. And I think that's when it all started. And uh, slowly we had this like law menu that was it was in the like the law dialects so only law people would know and then like law mm -hmm. people would bring like their co-workers like western co-workers and they love the food so like it kind of created like a domino effect and to the point where people from dc maybe in maryland would drive all the way to this like little nook and we would have for a 50 c restaurant we had like three hour waits and people were very committed to it and we were like really shocked to see that really people wanted to do it and you know like we it, it then converted to like Lao and Thai cuisine so generally like by 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 day people would come in for like the Thai buffet we had this like little buffet line and at night mm -hmm. it became more like the Lao cuisine so okay really so Bobby effects. let's push forward when did you guys open up Tip Cow what year was that so Tip Cow opened in uh 2014 okay and we we wanted to Tip Cow was more like uh more like a thank you letter for the DC community. And that was the, mm -hmm. the point. And we were like, also wanted to create like the first Lao restaurant in DC and trying to showcase more of my, my family's culture. And mm -hmm. also there was like a, a nice bar there too. So we wanted to showcase like a, a beverage program that's also not very, very high in, in Laos. So we wanted to do something more like really exquisite with that, create like a full dining experience. 
And, um, you know, my, my mother was very driven to really expressing her culture more and she was more excited about it. And um, yeah, I mean, people just fell in love with it. Like you said, like it was very busy all the, like. It, um, it, it's always busy. That place <laughs> is always busy. You can't get in, you have to know somebody. And I mean, you know what I mean, or wait online. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But the place is always busy. The food is terrific. Now, when the pandemic hit, mm. how did you guys decide how you wanted to handle everything? Uh, so we, uh, we definitely uh, switched to more of a, like we had to downsize our menu by half um, mm. because our menu is very large. We usually have like about like 30 or more items and we, we kept the, the strong core of our kitchen team and like more of like the management as well. So we wanted to figure out like what dishes would work best that would go best with carry out. I mean, I think the food that we have worked well, it's just what do people want? And we try to change the menu. Um, so we stick with that for a bit. And then uh, we, th we thought about trying to do some sort of outdoor dining situation that we could. And um, so we started getting some canopies and heaters and everything. And Well, you guys have a good patio. For that area it's yeah it's, it's really it's really spacious and nice and um mm -hmm. uh but we were also like being very aware of trying to keep it very like distance and mm -hmm. you know keeping it like you know following the rules and directions because not only trying to keep ourselves safe but keeping the guests safe too because again there are they are coming out of their own environment and they're trusting us to not only create like a good experience for them there's something that they re reminds them of that experience from their previous moments but also mm -hmm. knowing that like you know they're gonna have their mask off and they're gonna eat and so and also because like it's a very busy foot traffic there so we try to have the tables not we have it close to the wall our walls versus either and then because yeah because there are i mean you might see a lot of people that walk around with no mask and that does cause concerns for the guests so we try to figure out some ways to do so but we were we were focusing more on the carry out and delivery format because um mm -hmm. we're just like more anxious about the guests and trying to make them as comfortable like if you can have the food come to you or if you prefer to have your food in your own home that's probably the best direction um so that's sort of like what we continue to pivot for sorry great said okay no 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 that's terrific all right bobby <laughs> on that note we're gonna move you brought up a good point that I'm going to bring up to everybody afterwards is sort of the DC palette and the educated mm. palette that, you know, we're sort of lucky that that the DC community and beyond has, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But now I want to get into uh, David Fritch and uh, Sylvan Kramer at Stable. Uh, you guys have done some amazing things during this pandemic, um, especially with uh your interior and your offers um and you have a lot of things going on so just tell us about your concept first i mean you've been on the show before tell us about the concept first and then let's talk about all these different promotions you're doing because you guys have so much going on yeah hi nikki yeah hi. i mean we are the only swiss restaurant in washington dc so that's our concept behind because Myself and Silva, and we've been working for the past 18 years together on four different continents. And we always worked for somebody. And we got to the point in 2015 where we said, you know what, why don't we do it ourselves? We've been together for 18 years, working together, front of house, back of house together. We're like, why don't we try it ourselves? And then we said, 
yeah, why didn't we do that? And what are we going to do? Be like, we Swiss, we both Swiss, we are in DC. Why didn't we try? Why didn't we do what we grow up with, what we good at? So that's mm -hmm. how the idea became of opening up a Swiss restaurant. And obviously in the beginning, when we decided to do that, it was a little iffy decision because we weren't sure if it's going to pull off or not, because if it would be successful, there would be another Swiss restaurant here, but there wasn't one. So mm -hmm. we took quite a big gamble, but in the long run, looking back three, uh, four years later, I think we made the right decision because we're still here, we're still happy, and we still enjoy what we do. Well, and I just want to say, if you haven't taken a look at uh, Stable's uh, Instagram feed, uh, please do yourself a favor because um, it is filled with gorgeous pastries and lots of melted cheese, which personally appeals to me. I, I believe there should be melted cheese on everything. So um, obviously not uh, all foods, but uh, their food specifically. Now, um, when you guys opened, you know, you had a specific format in place, but once the pandemic hit, you made a lot of changes. So I'd love to get into some of the things that you're doing right now. So yeah, that's true. So when it first hit, right, it was the two weeks to flatten the curve. So we were mm -hmm. like, all right, it's going to be two weeks and we're going to move on normally. So we paid all our employees two weeks vacation because we said we don't obviously keep them all on staff. And then it continued and continued. And at the beginning, we were just doing a takeout. So we started to expand our bakery program. So Chef David, he came up with all different types of breads and pastries. And we started adding croissants, bear chocolate, all that good stuff to our uh, bakery concept. And uh, we were doing takeout only. Um, and then uh, it just kept dragging on. We were like, you know what? This is not uh, fun. This is not sustainable. Our staff sits at home. We need to do something. And uh, we knew like until July, there's the, the stimulus they were getting on unemployment and all that. And we then were like, all right, we need to figure something out. And then uh, the owner next door from the gallery on Gallery O on 8th Street, they approached us. They have a beautiful courtyard where they hosted weddings and events. And obviously with the pandemic, they couldn't host any events there. So they asked if we would like to do something on that patio space, because at the time we didn't have a patio. Um, mm. Our food is definitely a little bit more cold weather driven. So in the July, August heat of DC, not so many people want to have uh, melted cheese, as you said, right? Except so said, me, you know except me. <laughs> I want melted cheese. I want melted cheese every day. I put melted cheese on everything. I love melted cheese. Any cheese. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> but so, but that's, that's how we kind of came up with our first pop-up and uh, it was a whole different concept. We called it Pier 1354 and it was more like a Maryland style crab track. It was all outdoors. We put up a, like a mobile kitchen outside. We did whole crabs, uh, peel and eat shrimp and some fun summer cocktails or something totally different to what we did at Stable. But this helped us. We were able to bring all our employees back to work in August and we were able to run an outdoor pop-up uh, for two months um, on the gallery space over there. Um, then uh, the weather got cooler like in September and we were kind of switching it up and then we did a little stable uh, phony pop-up on the same space. So we added like uh, heat lamps and blankets and did different types of cheese fondues out there while we were re-gearing on a reopening stable. During these whole pop-ups, we were having stable open for takeout and delivery, but not for dine-in. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. we were able to apply for the for the parklets, right? For the for the outdoor patio as well for stable. 
And um, one night, David and I, we were sitting in the back of the restaurants and we have this big open space in the restaurant. We're like, you know what? It's crazy. We, yeah. we, uh, we're renting another patio and we have this year kind of just standing here for takeout. What, uh, what shall we do? And we had different ideas about putting up plexiglass dividers and all those things. And we're like, you know what? That's just not us. We want to come up with something a little bit more creative or just more, more Swiss. And um, yeah, after a couple of beers, we were like, why don't we build little Swiss chalets in that space? <laughs> and um, yeah, one thing uh, came to the other. We, we called two friends of ours, which are good handymans, and we started drawing and uh, started building those private dining chalets. So now we have five uh, private dining chalets, which are fully private, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, decked out in like Alpine style and perfectly cozy and then we have the patio out front of the of the restaurant where we have eight tables outdoors as well and so early uh, november we were able to reopen a stable for dining and uh, patio dining as well it's uh, it i mean everybody here is talking about their ingenuity right we'll we'll go back to jonathan crin's uh, word and the swivel right how we all uh sort of saw what was happening and had to turn our vision another way to figure out what else we can do to be successful. So John, I'm gonna come back to you on that because you got in touch with all these people, uh, thankfully for Adra, she's amazing. Um, but what were you trying to accomplish? Like what were you looking to do by reaching out to these people and bringing them to Clarity? Well, it, it really is a, is a logistics issue. Virginia was uh, Virginia was open, DC was closed. So the uh -huh. idea of these very very capable chefs who uh -huh. do you know wonderful business non pandemic, and who as we all have been challenged uh, business wise during the pandemic, um, and they were all making it through. Uh, I didn't even think about that part. It was literally to um, offer them a chance to cook in a uh, for an active environment um mm -hmm. introduce them introduce them or give an opportunity to uh introduce them to the northern virginia clientele that may or may not have been there uh may or may not know the restaurants and um and cross cross support neighborhood business and it just seemed that it, it because we were open and they were and and dc was closed it to me it just seemed obvious um you, you know a kind of logistic situation um now what, what was really neat is that I, I was actually planning to do it all six guest chefs before the city opened back up but then when adrian i adrian and i reached out they all these guys all picked dates that were further out which i thought was really amazing so that's why it turned into um a this ongoing once a week for six weeks, um, but it was it was about getting capable people opportunity to you know have a positive something positive something active a change of scenery you know mm -hmm. coming out and having a having a clientele that can and and actually meet you and eat in real time gain a relationship uh, and then moving forward to uh, continue that relationship and then have. Northern Virginia, because that was the idea, was how can Northern Virginia help DC? I, I have a you know a pretty large Rolodex. How can I use it? And then it was right. a logistics solution, and that's what I came up with. 
Okay, so uh, David and Sylvan, you guys have already done this. So what did your, what was your experience like? What, did, what was your menu like? Well, we just came back last night and uh, you know what? We got the email from Chef John and we looked at it. And the minute we got the email, I said to Sylvan, you know what, let's do this. We didn't even read the whole email. We didn't even know what exactly was it about it. But before we even spoke to John, we said, you know, we're going to do that. And the only reason is why we did that is, number one, let's do something different, like something which excites ourselves, our team, just to, to get out of, of our regular routine. And then like we mentioned earlier, over this, this whole pandemic, a lot of businesses, including us, we are, were only able to survive because of other people helping us or we helping them, like a, a small, uh, incident like the gallery people, the gallery and old people, they offer us their patio to us. Our friends helped us building the chalet. It's all about relationship and connection where we can help each other out. And that's what Chef, what Chef John starts. I think it's a fantastic idea. And so we went there yesterday. We got there like at noon. Um, no idea. Did you what make? To so let's tell, all right, but let's tell people what you made so we can know what we missed. Uh, we made our our Swiss classics, which we serve at the restaurant as well. So obviously mm -hmm. we did our cheese fondue. Um, we did our wheel series style. We did our volavant. We did the cheese flowers and we Yum. did the cheese and apple spatzli. So that's what we did. Sounds delicious. Okay, so Chef Jojo, you're going to be cooking out there Tuesday, February 23rd. Um, I know that's a little bit away, but have you sort of thought about like what you want to do? And have you gone out to check out the kitchen? Like, are you just going to go and do your thing? Or are you trusting Chef John? <laughs> All of the above. No, okay. I have not been there and I will go in and visit it. It'll be, you know, it'll be a delight. Um, but I think, you know, like uh, I, when we spoke, uh, Chef John and I said, you know, I'm, I'm part... British, I'm part Chinese, I'm, um, you know, half Burmese. So uh, this will be true to at least, you know, who I am, uh, <laughs> which really quite a lot of cultures all brought into one. Um, and I was delighted to hear Chef John say, don't hold back. So you will see that I will not be holding back for that night. And um, they, they will be really, you know, in the spirit of getting um, this shifting taste uh, of our area and um, celebrating that and be becoming maybe this, you know, model of the future for opportunities, more opportunities and sure. starting something new to, you know, really get this, uh, um, you know, sort of like a pluribus unum thing going on where we can always be, you know, out of many one and, and uh, create more and more of these, I think, uh, would make us really enjoy this uh, collaboration, this, you know, determination to help each other, you know, get through this. And mm -hmm. something really, uh, old ways are not working. So, um, you know, we have to create new ways and this is some kind of uh, promise for some kind of, you know, um, essential new fare in, you know, American cuisine. 
So John, I didn't ask just quickly before I hit uh, Bobby up about what he's going to be doing or what is, I don't know if Bobby's going to be cooking with his mom, but John, is, is it a, a tasting menu or a la carte? So what we're doing is, is um, the, the, each chef is doing three to five dishes of, uh, and they're on a separate menu and I'm offering the clarity menu also. So uh, people are ordering both, but they're definitely, everyone's ordering all the, uh, all the dishes that the chefs are making. And I will say one, one, one other thing that's, that's so neat about this is that, uh, you know, for a chef, one of the best feelings you can ever have is someone coming from another neighborhood and traveling to you and saying, I'm here, I live somewhere else, but uh, I, I've heard such great things and that's why I'm here. And that coming out of this pandemic, establishing these relationships, and then we all go visit these guys at their, at their restaurants and create that warm feeling that like I just described is something that's uh, immeasurably, immeasurably positive coming out of this. Oh, it's absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, Bobby, are you gonna be out there cooking with your mom? Uh, yes, I will be. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can you give us a little idea? Like um, you guys are gonna be out there, when is your date? Uh, you're February 18th. Yes. So um, what are you thinking? Uh, so, uh, my mom and also Chef Nini, who's uh, our head chef, so they decided to take inspiration of featuring like a merge between Lao and, and Thai cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, so we're doing four dishes. Uh, so we're doing a nam kao, which is a crispy rice salad that's pretty much featured on like, all of our menus because it's a right. <laughs> it's a very wonderful dish, lot of textures. Because people will hurt you if you don't have it on the menu. That's why. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> if fair you enough, didn't know, enough. if yeah. you didn't know, now you know. Okay. Yes, it's like Nam calls like our, our guacamole. Like mm -hmm. you know, people want that. Uh, the next dish we're doing is like nam tok, which is like um, it's it's like a like a steak salad. So sear the steak, slice it, and then we'll dress it with like herbs and like a spicy chili lime fish sauce dressing mm -hmm. um and then uh we're doing a king pet which is a uh, crab curry uh yeah. with like crispy banana blossoms some as a curry is based on lychee so it has like lots of uh very bright notes to it um and then the last dish we're doing is uh nung gai noi which is sort of like a variation to like a Chinese chicken so we're using we're we brine the cornish hen we steam it um serve it half with and we make a sauce out of prickly ash peppercorn which is um it's like a numbing chili uh corn so it's gonna have like this like very um fun sensation when you eat it lots of herbs i love and, that uh, sensation i love yeah, it yeah. I, you know it's like on your lips and on your tongue like mm -hmm. everything about it is at first sometimes it feels like you're having an allergic reaction you're like what is happening but then it's yeah. not it's just it's but it's very yummy <laughs> yeah yeah we were just thinking like you know with this really amazing opportunity with from uh, Chef John Corinne about, like you said, uh, bringing ourselves into a community that probably never, that's never had law food or, or food in that kind of a region that, you know, bringing our identity to it and, and hopefully bringing some new exposure and new excitement. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, yeah, you know, one day they'll like make a, make a trek to it. Or if maybe something happens, maybe we'll like open something there. Not not also saying a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. There's 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 opportunities left and right. So we, we want to be able to engage and hopefully gain some trust within the community. 
Well, I think Bobby, you have a really great point. Like as we all keep talking about like helping restaurants and you know, supporting restaurants, whether it's through takeout or gift cards or doing events such as these, um, you know, there's still opportunity for restaurants and there's still room to grow. And this, we are at a pause, but we are not at a stop. Um, so John, just very quickly, can you tell everybody where they can find out about these dinners other than the list are you on it.com, obviously? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And, and I do want to go over the, uh, the, the full list. We, we've already- um... Okay, we have like 30 seconds because so the show's on, that, uh, on my website, clarityvienna.com, on my Facebook, at Jonathan Crin, on my Instagram, at uh, Chef John Crin. All the information there. I put out the menus a week ahead of each chef's visit. Okay, and great. And I'll just add, add I got it. I'll just add that uh, Chef Peter Prime is there on February 9th. And also uh, Chef Carlos Delgado of Service Bar is there March 3rd. And if yeah. the uh, collaboration opportunities expand, we will certainly keep you posted. So I wanna thank all my guests for joining me today on the show. I love that you all didn't know each other and yet now you're all working together. And uh, I really feel that that has a lot to do with the uh, DC metro area hospitality industry. Everybody plays in the sandbox so well and uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to be able to share your stories. And I feel very grateful that I get to do that here on this platform. So I wanna thank you all joining me on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. A couple of reminders, Valentine's Day is coming up. Don't forget your loved ones. Check out the list, areyouonit.com. Don't forget to listen to David and I on Foodie and the Beast every Sunday at 11 on 1500. Of course, you can hear me on WTOP radio. And uh, for all these kinds of fun pop-ups, dinners, collaborations, and virtual events, you can find it all on the list on Lastly, I give my weekly plea to please support your restaurants, whether you do neighborhood drops with your neighbors or buy gift cards, anything you can do to help the community, if you can, would be truly appreciated. Lastly, mask up, dip your bodies in hand sanitizer, be safe out there and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.